welcome to The Art of Play. This is our second episode, and if you're listening, I'm so grateful you came back. This week, we're talking about my own masters of play, my children. Okay, first of all, if you are listening, I am blown away by the amount of people that reached out and were super supportive. So from my bo- the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for coming back. Uh, today, we are hearing from my own in-house masters of play, my children. They are my greatest teachers. They are some of the hardest work I've ever put into anything, and they're pretty incredible. I'm totally a proud mom that I will brag about my kids. So first off, let's, this is not a parenting podcast at all. Definitely not where I am an expert. I do try and parent my children better than I was parented as a child, but, um, I hope for every parent's sake that they are doing the same. I think that a little bit of why I chose to put them into one of my first episodes is because they have reconnected me to play in a way that I could not connect myself. This episode, just as a precursor, is highly edited. I took 45 minutes per child and interviewed them about all sorts of things in order to curate some answers that I wanted. I have kept those answers in context So the question that was asked may have been edited out, but my child's response is kept in context. I just want you to be aware that you're not going to be here for 135 minutes of my children talking. So as a quick update to this episode, you can plan on these three takeaways. So there's just three basic little things that I feel like you can take away from this. And while this is not a parenting episode, I am well aware of the fact that not everybody who listens may be a parent and may not find this very relatable, but I will try and break it down so that it's as applicable as possible to any individual adult these three takeaways are one, we all want more true connection. We want to build those healthy boundaries. We all love curiosity and exploring with each other. And we want that as human beings. Number two, we are all individuals. So I parent two extroverts and one introvert. For the longest time, I thought I was an introvert and have learned through parenting that I am actually an extrovert with introverted tendencies, Um, but we are all individuals. That's takeaway number two. Number three is we all watch each other. It is how we model behavior as children. It's how we learn things as children. We model things that we see in order to experiment and find out if it's for us. And then we we take that behavior into adulthood. We all model for each other the behavior we find acceptable to our value system. So a lot of times we model positive things and a lot of times we model negative things. Uh, This is different than the modeling behavior from a parent. Like, you know, a standard model of parenting would be to 
model what you want your kids to do instead of telling them what to do. They will do what you do, not what you say. Um, but as adults, we are not parenting each other because we're not responsible for each other in that sort of way. We are not necessarily tied to each other as continuously as a parent-child relationship. But how does all of this relate to play? So this this podcast is touted as being all about play. And I want you to understand that while it is about how we are rooted in play, we are human beings that modify our behavior based on what we learn and we learn through play. And a lot of creativity is unlocked through play. I want us to focus on the fact that we are all creative beings. We created the life that we lead now through how we interacted with the world and children interact in the world through play. First of all, we want more true connections. Second of all, we are all individuals. And third, we all watch each other. So based on those three overviews, I want to just give you a little bit of a backstory. I am a young mother. Uh, what I mean by that is I am 33 years old and I have a 13 year old. We are exactly 20 years apart. I got married a year out of high school. By my first wedding anniversary, I had a baby. And then I had a baby every two years for six years afterwards. In 2006, in 2008, 2010, and 2012. So by the time I was 26, I had four babies. I understand that there are younger mothers out there than me with more children. I'm just trying to give you some context as far as I left childhood and promptly became the director of many more childhoods. So this was a choice. This was my decision. It was planned. Uh, it was difficult for me because my childhood was not one of a lot of connection, uh, especially true connection. And uh, my childhood had a lot of unresolved pain and trauma, which also to be clear is not unusual. Uh, in a completely human desire though, I think I wanted to parent my children in a way that would set them up for a better life than I have led this far. And I think that's completely normal. I think that's a very typical hope of most parents. Uh, I am by no, I am completely average. Let's just be clear. Sarah is completely average. We are just getting by. Um, but in parenting my children, I, in a lot of ways, learned how to reparent myself. So I choose to modify a lot of my life patterns based on what is brought to my awareness and reparent that to choose for myself new things. I have been parenting myself along with parenting them. My parenting mantra, I have, I stumbled on a quote a little while ago and uh, I have been using it a little bit in the back of my, my, my mind. So I feel like it's really applicable here, but the quote is, you are being presented with two choices evolve or repeat. And a lot of my adult life has been repeating instead of evolving. And I, my hope is that the, that I have set myself up for many more years of evolution that I can evolve. But back to the episode, as we, as I lay out how I talk to my children and how they give their responses, I just want you to 
consider the fact that they are small humans who are doing their best to become the best big humans they can. And my job is to facilitate giving them the tools and the resources to become better. And in the middle of all of that, I'm also trying to give myself the tools to become better and better. Okay, first off, I started talking to my kids about curiosity. And you have to know that my children's ages are 7, 9, and 13. So we have basically three different phases. I mean, really two, but nearly three different phases of childhood that we're kind of trying to accommodate in that they all um, have varying knowledge bases based on their age and their life experience this far. And all of my children recognize that it's exploring new things and trying new things. Henry's, Henry's response was off the cuff. I have to say that my other two children took some time to, my, my extroverts took some time to actually figure out what it was that they were, wanted to use as their answer. But Henry said, so we're going to talk about a little bit about curiosity, right? Oh, give yeah, give yeah. me the definition we were talking about a little while ago that you came up with. Um, it's like you're kind of full of questions. You, like if you're curious of something, like I am curious of how someone just randomly basically put an engine on the wings and flew. Right, <laughs> right. Henry's curiosity <laughs> tends to veer towards planes always, huh? Yeah. Always how they came up with things, how we're, how we're looking at life. And then just because I want her voice recorded for as long as it will stay this way, here's Emma's response. Do you know what curiosity means? Like you're curious? Like you want to know what something is? Okay, if you couldn't tell, I'm totally obsessed with my kids' voices. Anyway... So after we talked about curiosity and how they use that in their in their play, I talked to them a little bit about their strengths and their weaknesses, just kind of interviewing them as far as what they saw that they added value or what things that they wanted to actually work on that they could see um, some, some progression there. Uh, I feel like most people came from a state of wanting to explore the world around them and to be curious about things like that. Um, a lot of our strengths and weaknesses can come from feeling like we're curious about something that we don't know enough about and we consider that a weakness or we have, we have explored something to some extent and either been either on our own independently or we move through life being led through experiences that lend to our ability to look at our creativity, which we think of as a strength. And based on how much I'm talking, I think you can figure out that my children gave very wordy answers. So overall, they sort of pegged their strengths and weaknesses as things very much in each category that they had been working on or thinking about. Um, but what really surprised me was I was trying to lead them to a question where I thought they would uh, realistically probably give me better birthday and Christmas ideas. And I asked them if they could have an endless supply of any one thing 
And they all gave the same answer. Family time, including dad. Um, probably spend time with my family. Spending time with your friends. Spending time with family? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Family, probably. You had an endless supply of family time? Yeah. We would just choose to be together. Also, I just want to put right here, obviously, my children are not recording experts. So sometimes they stayed a little bit far from the mic. So I'll do my best to make sure you can hear what they had to say. So I would say for most young children that that's a very typical answer. They all want more family time. They all want to spend time actually connecting with the people that they spend the most time with. And what blew me away was that all three of them wanted more family time. And we are a family that we are not overscheduled necessarily. However, we keep our time very full and we schedule regular family time. I'm Twice a week, we have dedicated family time. My husband and I set another night aside to be a date night. And we so we spend a concerted amount of effort in spending time as a family. And I take this one of two ways that our children really are looking for true connection with us that they are finding already in their lives. So first, they're looking for connection because they've experienced it. And two, they understand what they're looking for because they've had it. So as adults, I feel like we can look at that and say, my connection that I am seeking probably stems from somewhere that I'm feeling like I've seen that before. I recognize it. I want it. I'm going after it. I find that my children are really good at knowing who they are. And that has taught me what things they got from me that maybe I had disassociated with from my childhood. Or maybe it was just somewhere along the way I forgot about something. So just as an example, my daughter Emma is highly social. I I mean, highly social. She is an extrovert to the nth degree. She could have a sleepover, rolled into another play date, rolled into a family event, rolled into a different neighborhood party, rolled into another sleepover, and she would wake up the next day electrified. She loves it. That's how she recharges. That's how she finds her true meaning in life. She absorbs other people's energy and loves it. And in parenting her, I have found that I love social time. I absolutely love to find those things in life that I can associate with other people. And that's been fascinating to me. But I contrast that with another one of my children who literally when I asked him his strengths and weaknesses, he said that his biggest strength came from the fact that he feels safe at home and that he can be his true self at home and he draws strength from that. My greatest strength would probably be more secure at my house than I am almost anywhere else. So you are you feel like you're your true self in your home? Yeah. Yeah. 
So being home is like a really big strength in your life. I mean, good grief. Talk about being an old soul and a young body, huh? So again, with being individuals, they all have a wide variety of interests. And I found it fascinating that there was a lot of crossover, but they would note that the crossover was because they liked the interaction with a sibling that whose real passion it was. For example, one of my boys likes planes and another one of my boys likes soccer. And a lot of their crossover activities of choice have been in order to interact with each other. One son that likes planes loves to play soccer, but with his brother. All right. And finally, we all watch each other. Uh, but at the end of the question segment, I asked them, how can I better help them? And I also asked if they had any questions for me. All of them had some sort of tie into what things I've experienced that have been, I mean, one of my sons asked what my greatest fear was. Um, what is your greatest fear? And I, I will not. I will spare you the details of that interaction because it took me quite by surprise because I was considering this would be a lighthearted something or other. But they they really wanted to sort of anchor into my human experience. They wanted to know that I felt emotions that maybe we haven't highlighted enough for them or maybe we haven't actually given them the tools to deal with. And they were really introspective in looking for ways that I could help them navigate some of those feelings. So my, they asked what my greatest fear was, what, I, what was the hardest thing about being who I am. What, well, one of my children asked what was the hardest part about being a parent. I've always wondered what is the hardest thing of being a parent. The hardest thing about being a parent? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Pretty much broke my heart because it's like, well, watching you guys hurt is the worst for sure. But it made me realize that they're watching me and modeling me for sure. They, they model behavior, both positive and negative behavior from me. And that's normal. And, and we're working on some of those things. But it made me realize that we are modeling for each other the, acceptable, the socially acceptable behavior that we are looking for. So there's the quote by Gandhi, be the change you want to see in the world. And I think it extends to act as though you want someone to act that way to you. And... As we navigate through the true connection and being individuals, we're also trying to model behavior that will, in essence, attract like-minded people, right? So we're choosing to act in a way that hopefully will bring us the other connection of life. And my, my children really do that they're rooted in a human experience that makes it so they will, they can become the people they have in their mind's eye, right? And that only comes from people that they've modeled. 
their behavior after or seen act. And we've had discussions about people they look up to and people they see as role models. And in general, my children don't look up to the the high praise people of the world. They're not looking to be the star athletes, the the best of the best. They're they're modeling the the neighbor five doors down. They they're trying to model the behavior of people they see that are regular. They want a regular life experience and they're trying to fill in those blanks. All right, so obviously my children get their wordiness from me. I just keep going on and on, but I do want to just highlight three of my favorite clips from their interviews real quick here. So here's a response that I loved from Henry. What do you feel like that you're really good at? Um, building paper airplanes. Yeah, you are good at I mean, building paper airplanes. I mean, we even some sold of some of your awesome paper <laughs> airplanes because yeah. they were so cool. Yeah. That one older guy, the king. There was this he older gentleman that drove by. And bought every one of e- each. <laughs> yeah, he bought one of everything and took him to his grandkids, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it was super cool. And here's a response that I loved from George. What do you want to be better at? What do I want? Um, Better at, I want to be better at staying off of screens. I want to be better at that. Oh, hey. I feel like I spend a lot more time on that. And so what, tell me why you want that. Um, for example, supposedly it ruins your eyesight. And, well, I've also just spent too much time on it, I feel like. Oh, sometimes, right. like, with friends, like, when we lose track of time, we'll go on our PlayStation for, like, six hours and not even notice that an hour's passed by. So do you feel like you're missing out on something by being on a screen instead? Yeah, I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of things. Like, for instance, going outside or going to a party, just for examples. Yeah, because you're on a screen. and You're choosing to be on a screen instead or don't even notice that yeah. time is passing on the screen. Another thing is, is that when you're on a screen, it's like you're zoned in, you can't really see anything else except for what's going on. Unless you take your head away and like set your controller down or something or set your phone down. Okay, do I sound like the desperate? (laughs) Do I sound like the teenage mother yet? Like trying to play it cool, play it cool. He wants to put down his screens, play it cool. Okay, and uh, here's my my favorite from Emma. I'm also good at giving. All right, I have a totally biased opinion, but my kids are super troopers and uh, just the best. Okay, finally a quick recap. Okay, number one, we all want connection. Maybe it's the connective experiences that we have already recognized that we want more of, or maybe it's just we're looking for more of that in our life, but we all want to be seen and belong somewhere. Number two, we are all individuals. Uh, We want to be our authentic selves and being us helps us connect as well. Number three, we are watching each other. As adults, we have so many choices, but um, my hope is that you choose to model what's best about you so others can see that and and choose to do that for themselves as well, Uh, and choose to be around people who 
contribute to your life and who model that contribution in a way that's loving and, um, and brings us up in the world. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. We're so grateful that you joined us and I hope that you do have a little bit more play in your everyday, but seeing how it's Friday, maybe just try a little bit on this weekend. This episode has been fueled by our family mission at The Oliver Fund. You can find us online at theoliverfund.org, on Instagram at The Oliver Fund, and on Instagram at Art of Play Podcast.